You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today, we return to the monthly series, Back to the Future, in which we discuss the renewed interest in traditional food, farming, and natural resource preservation. Today, we're speaking with Louise Towell, executive director and co-founder of the Stream of Dreams Water Preservation Program. Welcome, Louise. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The Fish on Fences is a community art project for environmental education. And how did it get started? It got started in my own neighborhood. My community was suffering um, in many different ways. It was quite de- degraded and the area was uh, had a lot of crack houses and, and prostitutes and it was kind of a nasty neighborhood, a very scary neighborhood to be in. And um, uh, there was a, a building at the corner right in the middle of our community uh, where they tore down all the buildings and they left all the rubble and they put up a chain link fence with razor wire around the top of it. And my daughter, who was nine at the time, and I, we were just like horrified that this thing was left there. I mean, it just made the neighborhood even worse than what it already was. And uh, when we were at a, in another community in Vancouver, we noticed how this artist had taken these big pieces of plywood and got the community to paint on it what was beautiful and amazing about their community. And my daughter said, oh, mom, we should do that in our neighborhood. And I thought, okay. I mean, my background is a visual merchandiser. So I thought, well, okay, I I think we could do that. So brought her and and her friend and we sat at the kitchen table and said, okay, what's beautiful about our neighborhood? And that's when it really struck me is that uh, these two little girls really couldn't come up with anything. They just uh, they just looked at each other. And they didn't know what to say. We got to find out what's great about our neighborhood. So uh, I remember that there was a creek nearby. So we went to discover the creek and it was beautiful and really like a little sanctuary, a little urban forest in the middle of this very urbanized area. So I thought, well, why, why don't we take Burn, the name of the creek is Burn Creek. Why don't we take Burn Creek and put it at the corner of Edmonds and Kingsway? And then everybody would know that this is not the horrible neighborhood that everybody is thinking it is. So in my um, uh, you know, research, I uh, discovered that there was a streamkeeping group. So I contacted them and said, hi, I've got this idea. Joan Carn, the other founder. She said, the first thing you need to do is come on a tour. So we went on the tour, the Creek, and one of the stream keepers talked about how uh, the year before someone had put something into a storm drain and it killed every fish in the Creek. It was what they call a hundred percent kill. So it was like a, a dead Creek. That's when I thought, wow, well, why don't we take 5,000 fish and put it at the corner of Edmonds and Kingsway in the middle of our neighborhood. We went to every student in the entire watershed and told them what happened. And then they got to paint a wooden fish that were made by the stream keepers. And then we put them on the corner of Edmonds and Kingsway uh, around the chain link fence. And that was really where it began. Schools began to call us and communities began to call us and say, can you come to my school and do this at our school? So so now here we are, 21 years later, there's about 300,000 students and kids and families who have painted a wooden fish and the demand hasn't stopped and we're just carrying on. 
Well, thank goodness. And what a process. And there are wooden fish on fences right across our nation. I I love them all and enjoy them all. So I'm I'm just so happy that you're here today. And what an incredible message too. On the Dream of Dreams website, it says, we believe imagination will save the world. Can you expand on this, please? I really believe that when we use our imagination, uh, we can overcome the issues that we're having with uh, with water and with the environment. And I believe that, uh, that, that it's more than knowledge, it's imagination that we have to use to be able to overcome these things. And when kids are painting their fish, they are totally involved in their imaginary world. And these fish become many different things to them, <laughs> many different things to us. Um, so they have, uh, they're, you know, they're multifaceted, but uh, all of them start with imagination. Wonderful, wonderful message. And it's true. I think there's a lot of innovation yet to come forward, collective innovation for the potentials of humanity, whatever it is to keep various aspects of uh, materials out of our waterways. Fish on fences is a wonderful way, I think, to get people to ask questions, become curious, and start to evoke their imagination on what could a future be that we could help make that we really want to have. So I think that the program is wonderful. And there is something called a dream fish. Mm -hmm. And what is a dream fish? You know, salmon is our iconic creature here in uh, BC. I mean, it's the most amazing migration to happen on earth is, is the salmon return and the salmon run. When they, when they come back to the place that they were born, they uh, go through a transformation themselves, they change color. So they become, you know, different colors of red, and sometimes browns and more darker colors. It's hard to believe that the two salmon are the same fish, they look so different. So we ask children to transform their fish into a dream fish, so that it can go on the fence. And then when they tell everyone what they've learned about their local watershed, maybe we can transform an entire community into understanding how important it is to take care of water. There are very few voices that are more powerful than a child's voice. I agree. And what a great way to um, also evoke the imagination is this notion of dreams. So after they've learned about the waterways and where their water comes from and whatnot, I'm sure everybody has a idea of what they want to protect or what they want to save. So there is definitely a well-named item, the dream fish, which is the wooden fish painted with the student's imagination and understanding and hope for the future. Why, Louise, is it important for communities to discover their local watersheds and become stewards of fish, salmon in particular, in in certain areas, but really of all creatures? Well, that's that's an excellent question, because when we look at the environment, we can look at it in a very global way. And, and it can be very frightening, actually, you know, when you look at it, you think, well, what can I do to make a difference? You know, what can I do that will, um, you know, stop pollution? Or what can I do to uh, stop microplastics from being in the ocean? That's why we like to bring it down to a very localized level, because that's really the only way you can do anything is on a local level. And it's what happens in your own home. what happens in your your yards and in your parks and in your school grounds. You know, we believe that if you you keep it at a local level, you just don't get overwhelmed by by 
you know, the, the dire straits, uh, the direness of, of the, you know, of what's going on in the environment. I agree with you that um, the United Nations takes a very individual perspective. Certainly it looks at what nations and the world is doing, but they celebrate in many, many cases, what individuals are doing. And it does come down to individuals making the decision to change and then taking steps towards that. And it is incredible the amount of inertia that can be unlocked and moved forward when a group of individuals decide that they're going to do something. So I love that message. And how does the stream of dreams science to art process work? It's a 90 minute program. We just do each individual class and that way we can really make sure that you know, uh, that everyone's getting the information and they understand it. It's at their level of understanding. Uh, so uh, we start with uh, talking to kids about what is a watershed and what exactly is that. When we think about a watershed, sometimes, at least in Vancouver, we think, oh, that's where our drinking water comes from. You know, it comes from the three different watersheds we have. Well, there are those watersheds, but there's also the watershed that you live in. In Ontario, your watersheds are divided, you're actually watershed authorities or your conservation authorities are divided via through watersheds. So we talk about the watershed and and streams and what it, what's required for to be a healthy stream. Most of us live in cities. Uh, a lot of our streams are no longer there. Uh, like in Vancouver, we have, and I think probably in Toronto, they have a map, a similar map where it's called the lost streams of Vancouver or the lost streams of the lower mainland. And it shows a map of how all the streams have been culverted and put into pipes and engineered so that they are able to discharge into um, either the Fraser River or, or the ocean. And so we talk to kids about that. So that's, uh, you know, a very, very science, very engineering kind of concepts. We also talk about the fish cycle. And of course, again, in BC, it's about the, the salmon cycle, because it's such a wondrous uh, and remarkable cycle. So they get a little bit of engineering, a little bit of biology. And after those 45 minutes, uh, we then we also tell them the, the founding story of Stream of Dreams, when someone put something into a storm drain, and it killed everything uh, in the creek. After the 45 minutes, they come to a art room that's been set up by us and they're given a wooden fish and they are able to put on their fish, whatever they like. We have a rule that you actually can't paint a fish unless you hear the story. And that adds so much more depth to all of the fish that are on the fences. You didn't just paint it because it was something that was being done in the day. There's a real meaning behind it. Each individual understands what they're communicating in their artwork on the fish. And I've really admired the fish on fences in our community. And I think it's really a great way to instill hope. And hope is one of the descriptors from the Stream of Dreams site talking about the water protection program through the fish on fences. And how did hope come to become a central goal? After those 5,000 fish that that perished, we were all very hopeful that more would come back, that they would return and that nature would do the wonderful job that it does at repairing. And it has in many ways, Bird Creek, the headwaters is a storm drain. And that is honestly what many streams and many waterways that is their headwater is a storm drain. So so important to go back and seek out in your community or your area, that map of the um, streams that used to be, just yes. to have some sense 
of um, what has happened and and progress does have its problems, but we have already talked about in the show um, innovation and Mm -hmm. the amount of uh, creativity yet in the sciences and engineering, but also social innovations so that we can uh, start to come together and, and maybe do more than we have in the past together. After the break, we'll focus on strategies to preserve our waterways with Louise Towell, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Stream of Dreams Water Protection Program. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back. I'm Peggy O'Neill. You're listening to Food for the Future, and we're speaking about water preservation and protection with Louise Towell, executive director and co-founder of the Stream of Dreams program. Louise, before the break, we talked about why we should protect and preserve watersheds in our communities. So let's now turn to people and strategies. Who's taking care of our water? Well, in every every um, community and every municipality, they have uh watershed authorities. Um, I know in BC here, we have Metro Vancouver, and they're responsible for testing water quality. Um, They add chlorine to make sure that the water is drinkable. They maintain the infrastructure, so all the pipes, make sure they're all in good working order. Uh, They collect wastewater, and then they send them to sewage treatment plants. And there are different kinds of uh, sewage treatment plants, depending on how the end water is being used. A lot of it's put into uh, the Fraser River. Um, In Ontario, uh, your water sewage goes into Lake Ontario. And uh, then there, I believe that's where your drinking water comes from as well. Not to be worried, though. You have a very high level um, sanitary system there. So it uh, takes out a lot of stuff that uh, we wouldn't want to be drinking. Right. But it definitely is an indication of the cycle. When we drink it, it, it is, you know, down the drain and then processed or what have you, it goes back into the same water, um, body of water that we then draw on again to drink. So I think it, it makes it very, um, a very holistic approach on what, what happens to where our water goes. So it's good to know our conservation authorities here in Ontario, as well as our municipalities are working on answers to some of the very tough questions. On the Stream of Dreams website, the team has a series of resources. And can you tell us about the only rain down the drain? It's a catch phrase, an easy way to remember that really the only thing that should go down storm drains is rain. That's what they were meant for. They weren't meant to be the disposal place for your, your, you know, your uh, paints or your oil. And people, you know, don't realize that actually litter that's on the street or um, uh, if you're washing your car, the soap that you're using is not is not shouldn't go down that drain. It's not good uh, for the critters that are on the on the end of that drain. Bugs have a trouble living in soap, so and it's fish that eat bugs. So it's uh, it's really important to be very cautious of that. There's lots of places uh, just to talk about solutions. There are lots of places that you can take your car, like you can go to a car wash, is a totally acceptable place to wash your car because all of that water is either reused over again. Um, and then when it's finally disposed of, it goes into the sanitary system. So it's, uh, it's taken care of, or you could wash your car on your lawn, which would be quite fine because then the water and the soap and everything goes into the, into the ground rather than uh, into a direct pipe. 
Okay. Those are some really practical, very simple ways to bring some substantial change. Thank you for that, Louise. And you had mentioned litter Mm -hmm. and litter is a crucial factor affecting water and aqua life. So what can we do? Well, um, of course, don't litter, but also sometimes there's litter that you don't realize is litter. Actually, the litter has changed so much in the last, uh, you know, several decades, it's so much more plastic. And plastic, I know there's been a lot of talk about plastic and, and that it never really goes away. And that's actually a good rule of thumb to always remember anything that you purchase, that has a lot of plastic, you know, it can go to a landfill, but it'll take a long time before it breaks down. If it doesn't end up in the landfill, if that candy wrapper that uh, accidentally falls out of your pocket ends up into a storm drain, well, that ends up into the ocean or into a local stream. People haven't really caught on to how devastating glitter is. It's like these little tiny pieces of of microplastic that's shiny and Mm. and, uh, doesn't ever go away. Yeah. So, so uh, I think glitter should be banned. I'm sorry. I might have a lot of people who hate me for that, but (laughs) it should be banned. It shouldn't be allowed. So when we look at, you know, um, once we've used it, what happens to it? I think it would bring a different perspective on it. And there's other shiny things like um, the healthy streams in the sun and, um, you know, just in the moonlight as well. So there's other ways for us to appreciate shiny things that sparkle that we don't necessarily need to have glitter. So proper disposal is very important. And can you could please expand on this? Most cities will have areas where um, you can return your you know, products that you're not using anymore, like your electronics or your styrofoam or your cardboard, or sometimes there's curbside pickup in some cities, they have that some cities don't have that. So it depends on, you know, where you live, but really knowing where these things uh, need to be taken so that they can be safely disposed of and not put into the environment to cause harm. When Stream of Dreams, when it was first beginning, and I was thinking about, you know, this guy who had this can of something, I mean, he literally just, he didn't know where to put it. He didn't know where to take it. And honestly, 21 years ago, there might've not been a proper place for him Mm -hmm. to take that. Mm -hmm. I think they believed it was wood preservative or something like that. So his solution was just to put it down the drain because it's a way. And so, you know, like I said, I, that, whoever that person was, we don't blame them. We, we just realized that that person needed to uh, be educated and just like, you know, everyone needs to really know where they're, uh, where they can put their, their things that they're not using anymore. Right. And I think talking about it and educating and, and even the very fact that it was 21 years ago when this occurred, that we have made progress, there is places now to dispose of things that because we've made that much progress since the incident that brought on the field of dreams, imagine mm-hmm. in 21 years from now, all that we could have with with the right interventions. And, and Louise, your work must just be so rewarding. I know I admire it very, very much. What's one of the most meaningful experiences you've had creating the Stream of Dreams program? We, we partnered with another organization um, to do restoration work in this local creek. The part that was really meaningful was that they didn't really know it was even a creek. They thought it was a ditch. They thought it was just a ditch that they uh, that had a pathway that they walked by. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when we you know, showed them, well, actually, look, there's fish in there. And they, they, they could see the fish and they could see that there's this other whole other world besides, you know, uh, it, it changed everything. And, and uh, to 
really enlighten and and sort of uncover those kinds of wild places for children that they didn't realize were so special that is that is very meaningful and it's what it's what keeps us going i honestly couldn't do this program unless there was the education and the environmental um you know type of outreach attached to it because uh because that's uh, that's really what keeps us going you know, we're very connected when we hear a story like that. And I think that the connections will help us uh, rise out of some of the things that we need to change now. Louise, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with listeners about water protection or the Stream of Dreams program? Um, just be very cognizant of what's around you and and how how you're living on your little square mile or your little, you know, your world. And, and again, watch the drains and the storm drains and uh, try to pick up litter around them. And, uh, um, and that would help a lot. Thank you very much for being on the show, Louise. It makes me feel a lot better that together we can make a difference. And thank you very much for sharing your expertise and advocacy today. Thank you. Very, very welcome. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking about water and aqua life protection with Louise Towell, Executive Director and Co-Founder of the Stream of Dreams program. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? What can you do to safeguard your community's water? Something to do? Visit the Stream of Dreams website at streamofdreams.org to find out more about the program and ways in which you, your family, and community can help. Next week on the show, we return to the series Food for Thought, in which we discuss big ideas about food in order to raise the conversation level and find the way forward together. We'll be discussing fair trade. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum level sponsors, Burnbrae Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 830 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.